Hey, Husker fans, Justin here. Come join me and the cousins Derek and Tyler each week on the Husker Cuzcast as we cover all things Nebraska football and more. During the season, look for our entertaining analysis, insight, and debates as we recap each Husker game and preview the next one. We also make picks on the week's biggest college football games. And then each of us gives you our bet of the weekend and mock each other endlessly when one of us gets it wrong. Be sure to follow the Husker Cuzcast on Twitter at Husker Cuzcast. And look for our episodes on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, and BigHeadsMedia.com. Go Big Red. Hey everyone, Chris here. Uh, So Perry and I were not planning to do an episode this week. We did the American Beauty episode last week. Our plan was that the next episode you would hear would be next week's look back at Fight Club. Uh, And then we saw Joker, and we realized that Perry and I both have pretty divergent views on this movie uh, as you will hear during this podcast. We thought it would be a really good idea to call each other up, talk about it, and give you a little bonus episode. Uh, And it's a lot of fun. This is one of my favorite things we've done. Uh, I'm not a fan of the movie, as you'll hear, but I loved talking about it. So I want you to know that's why this episode is coming this week. Also, I wanted to let you know that when Perry and I thought we were done with the episode... We kept talking about Joker for another 15 minutes or so, and we had the Audacity recording at that time, so I want to still incorporate it because I think we brought up some points that are really good that we didn't get to in the main show. I want you to be able to hear it. So when Perry and I sign off at this podcast, I want you to wait about two or three seconds, and then you'll hear us start talking again, and it's a little rougher, a little more... uh, casual conversation but we get to some really good stuff that i think is important to talk about and so i want to make sure i included that so that said i hope you enjoy this episode i really want to know your thoughts on joker so please feel free to tweet back to us at watching cast on twitter find us on facebook or email us all that's in the show notes Uh, i really hope you enjoy this episode and we will be back next week with our discussion of fight club This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. And now, on with the show. Hey everyone, welcome to... We're watching here, we're watching here... This is Opinionated Movie Talk with Chris and Perry. My name is Chris Williams. With me, as always, is the polka dot man to my condiment king, Perry Seibert. <laughs> okay, I wasn't expecting that one. Well done. <laughs> well played, my friend. <laughs> Those are obviously two very obscure Batman villains. We are talking today about a not-so-obscure Batman villain. We are going to be talking about Todd Phillips' Joker. Uh, This podcast was kind of organized on the fly, but Perry, have you been watching anything lately before we get into that? Oh my gosh. Uh, You know, I saw Joker and Judy back to back. Oh, how is Judy? (laughs) Um, Judy's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Judy's fine. Judy is Oscar bait. Uh, and I, I, you know, if, you, if, you, if you've listened long enough, you know that that's not necessarily an outright insult for me. Mm-hmm. It's just really obvious. And uh, she's Renee Zellweger's fine in the part. It's the kind of part that's designed to win Oscars. I hope she doesn't only because this can't be the best performance of the year. It's, just, <laughs> it's fine. It's very good. I don't begrudge her. But no, come on. You can, you can do better, Academy. 
I, I think I was talking to a critic right before Joker, and he said it was a great performance in search of a movie. And it was a movie that I keep remembering exists, and I haven't gotten around to it, and I keep forgetting it's out there. And yeah. I probably... I will forget it's out there until the screener shows up on my door later this fall. So, and then, <laughs> and maybe, then you still might forget it. Very possibly. Um, I did watch this weekend. I finally got around to Booksmart. Uh, Olivia Wilde's movie. Have you seen it? Yes, I have. I, I am a very hard sell on uh, teen comedies. Uh, I high, high school was not my favorite time of life. I rarely... <laughs> rarely see myself in these movies so they have to work really hard to impress me um i absolutely adored book smart it was a delight i think i laughed harder at this than any other movie i've seen this year and um yeah i i loved it i love beanie feldstein and caitlin dever i want a whole series of buddy comedies with them where billy lord just pops up randomly in each of those uh i i love caitlin dever in the movie uh a lot I she made that film worthwhile for me. Otherwise, I was I uh, I couldn't help but sit there and go, okay, well, yeah, okay, <laughs> it's it's super bad. It, it definitely <laughs> you, is. You you found a way to do super bad, uh, which is impressive. I'm not saying that's not worthwhile, but you're also not really thrilling me comedically. Or <laughs> I I am uh, as as some people are immune to the charms of her brother. So far. I have yet to be moved by Beanie Feldstein in any capacity. Oh, that's fascinating. <laughs> I, I loved her in Lady Bird, and I really liked her in this. Uh, I adore her brother. I, I am I am not yet sold on Beanie. Although, you know, you work for Richard, you work with Richard Linklater for 20 years, something might come out. So give it time. Give it time. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, we're going to talk about a movie that is uh, not a laughing matter today, and uh, that would be Joker. Uh Joker is Todd Phillips' dark reimagining of the popular Batman villain, and it smashed box office records this past weekend, bringing in $96 million. It drew concerns from the FBI and local law enforcement, who worried that its portrayal of a long loner finding meaning through violence might inspire other young men to do the same. Uh, this isn't a kid-friendly Batman movie. Its protagonist, <laughs> Arthur Fleck, played by Joaquin Phoenix, is immensely troubled, lonely, and angry man, suffering in a decaying Gotham City that feels like 80, late 70s, early 80s New York. When societal pressures are too much for him to bear, the clown for hire turns to violence, clashing with the powers that have kept him down. But Perry, there's another clash that's been going on, and that's between <laughs> critics over this movie. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. The film opened last month at the Venice Film Festival to raves, walking away with the film's coveted Golden Lion. Uh, as I heard another critic say today, now a bunch of fanboys know what the Golden Lion is and <laughs> think it's the most important thing in the world. Its reception in the... I, I, Go ahead. I, I, can't, I can't help but point out at this point the other, the other infamous uh, uh, film that got uh, crushed from some people online that did, of course, win the, win the best uh, picture at Venice was also Magnolia. Paul Thomas Anderson's Magnolia also won best picture at the Venice Film Festival. Just to give you some idea of how, of how they really don't give a shit at the Venice Film Festival what critics in America are going to think, which is I, I applaud them. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I think there's a lot of crossover between the Magnolia crowd and the Joker crowd, I'm sure. <laughs> <they>, uh... <laughs> Both uh, are about alienation in the modern world, Chris. Same movie, man. Same movie. 
So, as you can tell, its reception has been more complex in the States. Some reviewers have hailed it as a masterpiece, with a commanding lead performance, and others decry it as irresponsible, empty provocation. As of this recording, the film has a 68% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 58 on Metacritic. And Perry, I'm going to leave you to start the conversation. Which is it? Is it a rancid mess, or is there more underneath the makeup? <laughs> it is... There is more underneath the makeup. If I've got, if I have to pick one of these two ridiculous polls to choose from, <laughs> I'm going to say there's actually a little more under the makeup. I will gladly admit this film is completely incoherent. I am not saying it has a formalized worldview and seeks to explain the world as it is. <laughs> I am not arguing that in the slightest. I will also grant to everybody I've talked to about this film, if you just had an, an awful – if you just had a miserable time at this movie – I get it. You were supposed to. <laughs> I, 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 I understand. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a wrong reaction. I don't think that's a, we're not going to think about it reaction. I think that's a perfectly reasonable reaction. Todd Phillips has shown in the past, he's more than capable of on purpose making an unpleasant movie. That's what the hangover part two was purposefully. He was alienating all the people who came out to see the hangover. That's his instinct much of the time as an artist. Uh, and my fear, my fear going into this was that it would just be that again with nothing behind it. And I got to admit, Chris, we'll get into it. I think, I think there's a lot here worth turning over and we're thinking about and we're talking about. And again, not because I think Phillips has a point. I don't know. We're not, uh, art's job is to ask questions, not come up with answers. And I think this movie, plays with the aesthetics uh, and the narrative that we have gotten used to with comic book films and completely and totally subverts them. And I think if for no other reason, it's a worthwhile film for doing that on a big budget from a major studio. Fair enough. I may have also called the film garbage, but... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I, I walked out of this. I'm one of those people who walked out of this movie just depressed and like just just feeling like fingers had been jabbed in my eyes for two hours <laughs> um it, this was not a movie i enjoyed uh i was just I, I, you know i didn't even wouldn't have even minded if i felt provoked if i felt challenged i felt this movie was very empty that it's it, it has the aesthetic of a serious you know quote-unquote serious movie uh, it, it knows the look and feel of a gritty adult drama, but I don't think there's anything under that surface that that I I could feel. I I, I felt like this was a movie where the journey of Arthur we knew right where that's going from the moment this movie started because it's called Joker. Yeah, I don't I don't think Todd Phillips cares about Arthur. I don't think I'm supposed to care about Arthur. It, it, it's a film that I feel. It's the end result of the push to make Batman gritty and edgy, and at the end of the day, um, I think Patrick H. Willems, the uh, YouTube critic, said it the best. He makes these YouTube videos that are often, you know, what if Wes Anderson made the X-Men? What if Werner Herzog made Spider-Man? This is the full-length version of that. What if Martin Scorsese made Joker? But I don't. I I didn't see anything else going down there. So maybe maybe you can help me out with that. What what did well, would, what, what did you latch would, onto? Here 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 are the two, here, here I want I want I want to, I want to attack you on two fronts here, Chris. Get sure. ready for this. Sure. 
my direct response to what you just said is, you know where Batman Begins is going at the beginning. It's Batman Begins. You've seen Batman begin over and over and over. So I think saying that you don't, that knowing where this is going to go, I don't think that's, I don't think that's a valid criticism <laughs> of the movie. You want to tell me why it's not interesting? Okay. But just saying, I know how it ends is way too simplistic okay, for sure, what fair this enough. movie's trying to do. Now, what I find interesting from the top of the movie is we are given this character, we're, we're, we're told he's mentally ill at the top of the movie. He's, he's not driven crazy by the forces around him. They don't help. <laughs> they certainly don't help. But he's already crazy when the movie yes. begins. Yes, that's true. And so... That for me, put it somewhere else at the beginning. That's interesting. Okay. So what do we watch for an hour and 40 minutes? We have Todd Phillips attempting to put us inside the heart and brain of, of a mentally ill person, which, yeah, he's probably not talented enough to pull off for an hour and 40 minutes. I agree. <laughs> the film is, can be incredibly dull. <laughs> it is unpleasant aesthetically i grant you as i've said i'm not arguing that it's fun to watch by any means or likable but that's what he's trying to do at the same time he's laying out how the society at large gives him nothing back he's got nothing to work with slowly and surely as he says in the giant scene at the end of the movie and we're spoiling right up top people i want to be oh, real yeah, clear you yeah. cannot talk about this movie without talking about what goes on at the end of the movie during the giant monologue when he's on the show with De Niro's talk show host character, he says, this is what happens with, if you if you won't help the mentally ill and there are a lot of guns around. The movie takes place when, Chris? Oh, it's, uh, what, early 80s? It is 1981, if we're to go by the marquees of the film's play. Okay. Okay. It's right when Reagan deinstitutionalizes the mentally ill. Okay. Okay. <laughs> this is not a throwaway. This is like, say, uh, Take Shelter, a movie that is systematically about how the society at large is not helping the people who need help the most. It goes on to, you know, twist the knife by having Bruce Wayne's father be the most powerful dude in Gotham City, who is a, uh, I, you know, you and I share the same political bent, so I'm just going to say a Trump-like sleaze bucket. Yes, okay? yes. So, <laughs> I, I, I find it really interesting that his first grand act of violence is perpetrated against uh, 1% Wall Street douchebags who are harassing a woman and then harassing him. Uh, and then the only other there's there is an act of violence that is purely for his own self-defense that is morally inescapably wrong in every possible way. But we understand how he got there. And at that point, he is on sheer survival mode. And then we have what I hate to use the word, but I have no other thing to call it the outright assassination of the Robert De Niro character. Those are the only murders he commits in the movie. Right? Those, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. <laughs> so, this is not a movie about a criminal mastermind. No. This is a movie about an incredibly disturbed person. That I'm, and what I, we're, I'm gonna get to two big points at the end. The first being, I don't think this film glamorizes that in any way. 
I don't see that in the movie. I, I hear people write that. I think that's a real easy thing to think is going to happen if you've never seen the movie. But I don't understand how if you've seen the movie, this is shown to be a righteous, correct, uh, uh, interesting, moral decision that gets made. That's not what this movie is doing at all. I would agree with you there. I don't buy into the narrative that this is a dangerous movie. I personally don't know if this movie is smart enough to be dangerous. Um, <laughs> I, I, I will say I was very disturbed by the cheers in my audience from people, uh, you know, when, when there was the scissor murder, for instance, or the assassination at the end. There were cheers in the audience. Like, this was cathartic. This was, they, they were cheering Arthur on that he'd had enough and he snapped. I don't think that is a failure of the... I don't think that's what the movie is saying. I don't think the movie is encouraging that. I think that gets into people taking maybe the wrong message or just being too viscerally let, around, let along. Or but, expecting a horror movie. Yes, yes, or that. That was... I, I, I don't think this is a dangerous movie. Um, I don't think this is... I think it might be a little irresponsible to pitch it right at a certain audience that is often composed of angry young men, but I don't know if that's any more different than tossing Fight Club at an audience of angry young men who are going to misinterpret that. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so no, I don't. I, I, I don't me. think. I don't think this is a dangerous movie. Um, I will let you finish, but I, but then I will go back to what you were talking about earlier. No, go ahead, because oh. my last my last point is a grand one that I okay. don't think even Todd Phillips had quite considered, and mm -hmm. it's it's very singular. And something I want to I, – I, it's, it's the reason that I personally fall down on saying, yeah, you know, I, I, for all of its problems. I'm not saying this is one of the best films of the year. I'm not saying it's some brilliant social treatise on the mentally ill. I'm just saying I think it plays with – it plays with superhero iconography <laughs> in such a way that it's almost like uh, – it's almost like it, it's not the Scorsese version of this. It's the Todd Haynes version of this movie. This okay. is a semiotic film <laughs> that subverts all of the things that we are used to accepting about movies like this. And I just find it fascinating that this came out from Warner Brothers. I mean, I know I'm not because they own the entire property, but boy, I just <laughs> this is this is not a commercial film. In any capacity. <laughs> well, except it is and a commercial I'm, film. Right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but like like we have talked about, and I'm assuming uh, – I don't know when we're throwing these out. But we, we talked a, a great deal recently in an episode about, about Seven, about David Fincher's Seven, mm -hmm. a film that is resolutely uncommercial in every possible way. It is an attack on the audience. It makes the audience confront uncomfortable things uh, about what they expect from a movie and what they expect in a story about revenge. And uh, and it made a hundred million dollars. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, <laughs> in nineteen ninety five. I'm just saying. I don't know how you look at this and think, outside of the marketing of this, that you know we're going to market a Joker movie so it'll make a lot of money. I don't understand how you expect this to be a giant hit. And so I'm, I'm sort of uh, awestruck and dumbstruck by it. <laughs> that it okay. exists and it is what it is. I'm not saying what it is is great. Uh, and I don't think – and I, I, I am saying I think it's interesting even devoid of the fact that it is, I mean, a blockbuster hit. Like you said, it, that's, mm -hmm. that beat the biggest October opening ever by $16 million. 
Like, that's a huge jump. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It's, and, I mean... and it's the fourth biggest R-rated film opening in history behind Deadpool, Deadpool 2, and I forget what the third one is. Uh, but, boy, I don't, I, I don't know what you I, – I, I think those are perfect films to bring up in, in – I think those are the two perfect films for me that explain why I personally – am intrigued and like the Joker and want to not like it, but want to deal with it. Because to me, Deadpool is the worst possible example of, of making a comic book film edgy by just adding dick jokes. Like none of that. The, the, I hate both of those movies. I hate, I hate the thought that went into them. I hate the idea that anybody thought this was edgy and interesting. I hate the fact that anybody thinks they're cool for loving Deadpool. <laughs> when all they want is a regular comic book movie just with dick jokes. This will genuinely upset you. So if you don't like this, that's interesting to me. And you don't want to deal with why you don't like Joker. That's interesting to me. I think I think going back to what you were saying first uh, about Arthur being, you know, mentally troubled from the start. He he we meet him, he's got he's got issues, he's seen a social worker, he's taking medicine, soon that's all cut. I think that's interesting, but I don't think the movie does much with that other than he's seeing a social worker, he's on medicine, that's getting cut, and then it moves on to other things. It throws so much in the mix to trouble Arthur, so he's got he he's got the medicine, he's got the mental issues, he's got child abuse issues, he's got mommy issues. He might very well have daddy issues for all for the film he's oh. at. Oh no, he's got daddy issues. <laughs> That, that's why we have the ending we have. Yes. But, I mean, it, it throws so much, and then it, it throws in, there's the, you know, the haves and have-nots struggle that's going across Gotham. But I don't I don't ever feel like the movie digs into that. It just layers them on as different things to kind of push him over the edge. And it, it, doesn't, it doesn't attach anything to that. So, to me, it just felt like a series of miserable events that are piled on this guy and there's no tension about where this is all going. I mean, yes, like you said, with Batman Begins, we know where it's going. But there's a tension in how we get there with Batman Begins. There's a tension in why does he choose to dress up as a bat? What, you know, what are the complexities of that? What Logistical questions. With Arthur, it's just, when is he going to kill someone? And that's kind of a foregone conclusion for the movie. It's early in the movie when he finally kills someone. And then it's just how much more is he going to kill people? And society is bad. And it's just a continual arguing. And maybe there's a better filmmaker who could handle this and make something meaty out of it. But it just felt a lot of misery piling on, on one person for no other, no other reason. Like I did not feel there was anything behind that. Well, I will give you where, uh, where, and I, I, I understand that reaction. Again, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't disagree with that, with that take on the film. It's not mine, but I, I find that utterly valid. Here's the argument I would, I would come back with you at for that. Mm -hmm. For me, why I find this really fascinating is, and again, I don't know that Todd Phillips thought about this. I am just going on what I am given in this movie. Mm -hmm. If the whole point is to get to this last 20 minutes, which I think it is, right? I agree with you. There's not, you know, there's not exactly a narrative drive in the first hour and 40 minutes of the movie. Right. It's we just... are watching the dissolution of a human. Yes. And one done in grand 
comic book swaths, not in hyper psycho realistic taxi driver swaths. This film is not Taxi Driver. I want, I want to be real clear. <laughs> taxi Driver is the greatest film ever made. Joker is not. Where 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 I think it gets interesting is in this very textual reading of the movie where at the end Gotham which is already in a state of dis-ease because of the economic misfortunes of many in the city and the lack of care being given to the city by both by, by everyone in charge not only by Bruce Wayne's father who's hoarding all the money and will take no responsibility for the things he's done in life but right down to the De Niro character is really important. The only time, the, the, one of the ways this film really fudges is that it's, it's pretty obvious to me that that's supposed to be a stand-in for, for the internet, right? He goes viral. His, sure, his, yes. his, break, his breakdown, his non-funny stint at the, at the comedy club. So they air this, and he is being humiliated on TV. So... Here's where we are. We're in a world where our greatest entertainment is watching people be embarrassed publicly. And we have, there's, there's no one caring. There's no, there's no social safety net at all, right? That's okay. the world of the film, yes? Yes. So in that world, someone in a huge public way has some incredibly violent, seemingly revolutionary act. It's not. It's the act of an absolute madman. That is misinterpreted by the mass culture at large into something else. Now, stick with me. I'm not saying this is a, <laughs> this is a copy of real life. I'm not making the case for you that this film is dangerous because, as we've agreed, it's not celebrating this. No, I don't think the movie in any way says this is what everybody should be doing. It simply then remarks on and looks at the fact that everybody responds to this by celebrating it, which if we're looking at the box office numbers, would seem to be right. But what then is the great result of him having done this, right? It's that Bruce Wayne's father gets killed. Not by Joker, by someone who is, you know, on the rampage after Joker does what he does in the movie, correct? Sure, yes. Okay, so <laughs> now we have to get to the grand question that I'm interested in. If that's what's been set up, do we – I think the film at some level – again, not a level I think Phillips ever considered – is the film basically saying, are we all caught up in this mania for superhero movies over the last how, 10 years? We'll call, we'll call it the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Let's, let's go back to Batman Begins. Let's go back to there. So over 15 years at this point. Mm-hmm. Are we there and can we not get away from this because we are in a society that is so divided, that does not have a social safety net, <laughs> that does not have anyone caring for us, and whose entertainment is seemingly so cruel so much of the time? I think that's a really valid question for anybody making movies to ask, and I, I, I actually think this movie asks it. I am also not sure how much Todd Phillips would have thought about that. I agree, not um, at all. But I think that's there, and I don't think you can deny that that's kind of there. I think it definitely does try and chase a little bit about what's happening in our culture. I, I think there is definitely this idea of everyone is angry, and everyone's kind of about to snap. I don't see this world 
as one I'd like them to say, stop fighting. It is a beautiful world worth fighting for. It's, I, I don't know. I, it, it just feels like misery for misery's sake. Um, I, do, I don't, I feel like if you're going to say this world is a mess and this world is ugly, then give me something sympathetic in there to cling to, to juxtapose against that. And I, I feel like this is a constant just barrage of misery. And I, I don't know. I, I think the critique of media is there. I think the critique of culture is there. But I think it's all very surface level, too. The fact that it ends with a long monologue about him saying this is what happens, you know, when society ignores people, needs that monologue because it's not making that point elsewhere. It's too busy chasing different rabbit trails throughout the whole movie. Um, I mean, we haven't even talked about the the whole subplot with uh, his neighbor, who is his girlfriend, but not his girlfriend, um, The you know, who he kind of imagines this relationship with, with, which I think is an actual interesting thread had they expanded more on it. I don't know what else you do with it, with how they've got it set up. I don't, I don't either. Know, I don't know how you expand on that. He is incapable of making this connection, and so he's fantasized it. And then the reveal of it is genuinely shocking. And that's the other thing I will say. I am, I am, uh, you know, jaded and a film watcher of 40 years. It takes a lot to genuinely shock me. I will say every gunshot in this movie surprised me and sickened me. Oh, really? Yeah. I got to even the surprise, even like the first one that goes off into the wall in the apartment. I jumped. (laughs) <laughs> I, I, okay, I'll, I'll give that one, but um, you know, as soon as that gun comes into play early, as soon as he's given that gun, I, I was watching every interaction and that subway scene. I, I mean, there was no way as soon as that started that it wasn't going to end with him shooting at least one of them. Right, but it's not. It's but again, it's not triumphant. It is as wallowed in sickness and illness and disease as everything else in the movie. So it's not celebrating this. I grant. I, I, I understand your point. I, I, I get it entirely. There is nothing for you to latch onto in this movie. And I will say my, my only defense to that is I'm really happy to see something that we would call a comic book movie be this dark. To, to, to take that material there, I think is incredibly fascinating. And again, with a big budget studio release, with, with characters that are iconic, not by making something up, not by making up a new character and doing this in some indie level budget. Not like uh, James Gunn's Super, but really doing it, really messing with people's understanding of these iconographic characters. I think that's just – I genuinely think that's interesting. I can't help it. I I do. I get what you're saying, except that it's a movie about the Joker. So this is almost the movie I would expect if you told me there's an origin story for the Joker. You know, had someone said, oh, check out this YouTube clip someone made – you know, what would be it be like if there was a Joker origin story and it was in the style of, you know, a late 70s, early 80s psychological crime thriller? This is what I would expect. I, I think that kind of lends itself to this story. And I think a lot of people have gone to see it because this is what that and there's a, there's a fascination with the Joker among comic book people uh, that has been waiting for this movie a long time. I, I talked to a friend at uh at work this week who said, yeah, this is the movie we've wanted for a long time. I'm curious if this movie would fall apart if it didn't have that IP, if this would just be, you know, another kind of weak sauce story of a tortured young man that's forgotten. Now, 
Does it gain power from attaching it to a comic book story? Maybe a little. But I, I also think it kind of Oh, I think a lot. <laughs> I think a lot. I feel like if it was another comic book character and it was a subversion of what we'd expect from that comic book character, sure. If if this was a Batman origin story, which, yes, we've had, but if this was a Batman origin story about this horrible, shocking world and maybe it was the Joker story that we get paralleled with another person growing up in this culture who decides a totally different path, that might be interesting. But th- this is... You know, Sorry, I'm imagining, I'm imagining Monty Python's Life of Brian Batman story. <laughs> <laughs> and now I really want to see this. I think this would be really good. But but I feel like Joker is just one of those characters who, oh yeah, this is, this is what it would be. It would be a very disturbing psychodrama and... There, there is definitely probably something talking about worth talking about in did Todd Phillips want to make a psychological crime drama and the only way he could get it made was to attach it to a comic book. I think that's kind of interesting. I think there's no chance of that. I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> but I also think that that movie wouldn't be this movie wouldn't be made without the comic book IP today. And. That gets back to how handcuffed we are to the superhero story. I, I just, I, I guess I just feel like, we. I said this before the call, or before we started doing it, I do feel like we saw the same movie. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like, yes, I see what you're saying, I can see your perspective. I guess my thing is, I just feel that's not interesting to me. Or it's, it's too much wallowing and... I, I just I maybe I'm just at a point where I don't want that. Uh, you know, I don't want that constant misery and suffering when I don't feel there's an ounce of sympathy in this movie, an ounce of joy or hope. It, it's just I don't think the movie likes Arthur. I don't feel the movie is ever. No, on his that, side. Would, that would that would be horrific. That would play into all everything we don't want in the movie. But I feel I mean, like that, that would be, be that it. it why would we want to we if 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 we're asking to sympathize with the joker i don't know how to do that and have it be the joker the joker is inherently unsympathetic except that this isn't the actual joker from the comic books there's, there's a this is not turning into that same character this is not a person who grows into a smart master criminal i don't i don't see arthur flack you know carrying out any major heists or anything like that um i i feel this is a totally separate story and it's a man who i i just i can't identify with and i don't feel bad for him i i feel like even before he kind of quote-unquote snaps it's just this kind of he he's kind of abrasive even before that he you know his response to meeting a girl is to stalk her and he's mentally ill yes he is but there are <laughs> Which I, they've I, told you at the top I, I, just, I, I don't feel it ever does anything more with that. Um, I, I don't I don't feel like his mental illness is tied into any sort of reality that I understand. Um, and I, I, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I, I think maybe, you know, you're right that it's supposed to be this abrasive, ugly movie that is supposed to be unpleasant. But I guess the thing is, I walked out of that going, my life's too short to be sitting through something this unpleasant. Okay. All right. I I can I can be there, and I will I I will then my only uh, my my response is, uh, 
life is too short for me to watch something this obvious is my response to I'm going to go conservative and say 21 of the 23 Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. Sure, and we'll get there. We'll, we'll get there. <laughs> On the flip side of that, I think good is just as I think I think vanilla good is just as boring as as and pointless to me at this point in my life. I watch them because I'm interested in the art form, and that's what I'm saying. I think this is an interesting movie. I think to deal with what this movie is dealing with and playing with on such a huge scale is just genuinely it's genuinely subversive and i don't mean it's subversive about what's going on in the culture i mean it's subversive within the art form <laughs> and by art form i mean the box office <laughs> i mean the the large film culture i'm using art form in uh, with a with a with a, with a non-capitalized a mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> in the movie as 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 a as a as an affront to the movie business oh I kind of really respect it. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't I guess I just don't pick up on how subversive it is. If only because I think from day 1 I feel like this is a movie where Warner Brothers knew uh, oh yeah, th- th- this one this one's got an audience. There there are people who will show up for an R-rated Batman movie. Um there there are people who want to see a you know, quote unquote, gritty, edgy Joker movie. I, I, I don't, I don't feel this was much of a risk for Warner Brothers, just because this property has been kind of their bread and butter for forty years. And sure, they attach an R rating to that. I mean, Zack Snyder practically did that in uh, two thousand whatever it was with uh, Batman vs Superman. I mean, that was that was a dark, ugly movie. I will say I would happily sit through the Joker before ever sitting through Batman for Superman again. Thank you. And, Thank you. That's, and that's, I will say I, I can I can live with this compromise precisely. Yes. <laughs> and, and I will say, I mean, there is a part of me that does sit here going, the, I remember the last time that I felt like a movie kind of just bothered me and, and ki- just kind of pushed me away this much was Drive a few years ago. <laughs> and and I gave Drive a horrible review, and I went back and revisited Drive a few weeks later and totally flipped on that. Interesting. And I don't know if there is a part of me that is rea- that maybe reacting to something in this movie that that is there that I don't want to react to, um, that I don't maybe want to wrap my arms around. But I will also say. I feel like if that was the case, I wouldn't have been so bored the whole movie. Uh, <laughs> like, like, the fact is, by the time we got to Arthur going on the Robert De Niro show, by the way, Robert De Niro horribly cast in this, uh, is is the voice of American humor. Um, oh, in 1981? Yeah, I think it's right on. Oh, Sorry, really? oh. that's Carson. That's late era Carson. That's exactly right. Uh, I, again, don't discount the time period on this. It it's there for a reason. It's 1981 for a reason. I I I I don't know. I I, I won't give you that. I, uh, the character's not funny. The character's not supposed to be funny. The character's not funny, but I don't think he ever. I I don't even think when he's called on to kind of confront Arthur and to push back at the end. I, I don't think there's much there to the character or the performance either. I, I don't I don't think De Niro really shows up for that. I, I think it's 
he's there for the iconography to link this to King, King of Comedy. Comedy. And Taxi Driver. Yeah. And Taxi Driver, which I, I did want to go back to this. I, I The movie's not Taxi Driver. No, nor is it King fa- of Comedy. No, but it's very, <laughs> I mean, Todd Phillips has been very open. It's inspired by it. The look is straight out of that. I kept going back, and I think this is the thing that was missing for me. There's that shot, and I, I talked about this in my review. There's that shot in Taxi Driver where Travis is on the phone being rejected, yes. and the camera looks away. Yes. And it, it can't look. And there is a, it, as troubled as Travis is, there is sympathy for him in that moment. And that's why wherever that movie goes, there's still a part of me that sympathizes. There, there's a part of me that's sad or that feels it's tragic. I didn't get that in this movie. One of the first scenes in this movie is Arthur being pummeled and the camera stares and just stares. And it felt like this movie just exists to lavish punishment on him. But I never cared about that punishment he was receiving. And yes, I, 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 where I agree with you is that Travis Bickle is always trying to act appropriately. Yes. He can't. He's as mentally ill as, as, as whatever Joker's real name is. I can never remember. It doesn't matter <laughs> in this movie. But the difference is, yes, the difference makes for a more unpleasant thing. This character can't, has, has no idea how to act at all. He does not know how to act well. He can't act appropriately in any capacity. He's not striving to do the right thing. He is striving simply to survive. He is an animal, unlike Travis Bickle, who was God's lonely man. And so, yes, we're watching an animal be tortured for an hour and a hundred minutes before we get to this explosion ending, which, like we said, like I've said, like I've attempted to argue here that, you know, yeah, De Niro's there to make you draw those lines. Not you're right. The film that's the film itself doesn't do that. I agree, but De Niro being there kind of does that, and just like having this be Joker, kind of does that. And how we see Bruce. I mean, he they shoot for for all of its grittiness. It shoots the murder of Bruce Wayne's parents exactly like it's supposed to, with the flying pearls and everything. We are given that iconography for a reason. And I think the reasons are there, and I think the reasons are valid and are really interesting. I'm I'm glad for you that you saw that. <laughs> I, I did not, and, and I still like I I still feel like this movie just sat there for me, and I I don't know. Maybe I needed a clearer directorial voice to kind of steer it. Someone who was a little more intent on drawing those things out and provoking those questions instead of just like I've said, jabbing me in the eye is how I felt like. <laughs> Like, constantly just jabbing me in the eye with unpleasantness. I will say there are things I like about the way this movie looks. Um, I think it the cinematography in this movie is gorgeous. Like, gorgeously ugly. Uh, it's, <laughs> like, this, this looks not... This doesn't just look like something that takes place in the 80s. This looks like a movie from the 80s. It, it's grimy and gross and... It looks like someone took a time machine back to 80s New York and just kind of filmed whatever was going on. It's a beautiful looking movie. <laughs> and, and I think Joaquin Phoenix 
is genuinely good. I think he pushes up against he he flirts with uh with self parody. He flirts with going a little too much, but I don't think he ever crosses that line. He 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 does a lot of big things, but there's a lot of small things in his performance that I really appreciate it. I I I savored the fact that whenever he ran, it looked like he was wearing giant shoes. <laughs> Even if Crunches, he wasn't wearing yeah. giant shoes. I was, I was like, that's such a great choice. <laughs> that's such a smart actor's choice. It, Thank you, Joaquin. It's a very strong performance, and I think a lot of people would probably go way too big with this. And I think even though he's kind of the go-to guy for tortured people, it still felt unique, and it still felt like he was throwing himself into that. I like the little fact that he's shaking after he shoots Robert De Niro. Just yeah, that that kind of, oh, this was a big moment. His transformation is kind of over. And I, I, I liked that. It's a small moment in a movie that ends in this huge moment of violence. And I, I do think the visual, the way they carry out that shooting on TV is powerful. That image of watching that through a TV it really it like that that was the one moment that disturbed me was the feel of watching something through a TV lens that you would not see on TV and then cutting to the bank of screens which is an obvious nod to the last sequence of network which is drawing us back to talking about the culture at large <laughs> and we get that network reference before we go out and have the mass carnage that leads to the creation of Batman I think it's got something on it guys <laughs> I gotta say, I, it's not. I'm not saying it's not that it works. I'm not saying, like I said at the top, I'm not saying it's coherent. I don't know that Todd Phillips thought about any of this, but boy, I saw it when I was watching the movie. I I, I could draw those lines, and while I I'm I'm agreeing with you, the first hundred minutes is a slog. It is boring. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be for large chunks of it. I really do. I think he's that intent on subverting. Everything we expect from a comic book movie. And I, 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 I respect it. Oh, see, and I don't. <laughs> I know. It, I, I know. And it's, and it's a weird, it's a weird feeling because I can see everything you're saying. And I feel like, okay, I, I can catch that and I can agree with that. But I feel like those are items floating on the surface that never anchor down to anything else. <laughs> like it's, it, it, yeah. it, it, it they, they are moments that make me think. But I don't think the movie does anything more than say, hey, what about this? And then kind of walk away from it. And what about this? And then kind of walk away from it, which kind of just leaves it this empty movie that I wish they would have done more. I wish I would have. I wish I would have been pissed off by this movie. Like, I wish I would have been a little disturbed by some of its ideas or worried about it, because then I feel like it would have at least burrowed into me a little more. And like I said, maybe maybe there's a part of that. But I just, it comes back to my idea of, I, I've often called them donut movies. There's a lot that's on the outer edge there, but there is nothing inside of it. <laughs> and if we're talking comic book movies, that's most comic book movies to me. Like, I, I, I love the Marvel movies. I have a great time with them, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But I, 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 I will totally agree. I think most of those movies on the inside... There is nothing going on. It's all just clockwork, get to the next movie, get to the next scene. Mm -hmm. I feel like this is get to the next suffering, get to the next badass moment, or get to the next shock. And that's about it. I, I don't 
I don't think dressing this up in an, you know, kind of that sheen of an 80s Scorsese movie is much different than when people, when, when you put Robert Redford in a Captain America movie and say, oh yeah, it's a 70s paranoid thrower. No, it's not. It's a, it's a, it's a Captain America movie with well Robert Redford. And it, it's, it's just making you think it's something more because it has this aesthetic that you associate with something better. And I feel like that's kind of what Joker's doing. It, it makes these references to things that are serious or things that we've, we respect, but I don't think then it ever earns those associations. They're there, but I don't think the movie ever knows what to do with them or how to make them work beyond it's there. Hmm. Let's move on. And, and I would, I, I, I could, I completely understand that. And I could, I could cede all of that with the exception of the actual, the actual straight up comic book iconography they steal from and the social milieu they've set up in the movie. I think that's there. And I think that's hard to deny if it's not enough, it's not enough, but it's trying in ways that I think most, most comic book films never come close to even thinking about trying. Fair enough. Fair enough. We will agree to disagree on this one. (laughs) Um, But I will say, I, I will say this, this is one of those movies where even though I don't like it at all, I like talking about it. Yeah. Like, I, I, you know, I had a good time with Avengers Endgame. Do you know how much I've thought about Avengers Endgame since April? Not much. <laughs> no, not, hopefully not much at all. Not much. The ride ended. I got off. I moved on to the next thing. <laughs> Which uh, brings up a nice little dovetail. The uh, Martin Scorsese was originally signed on to Joker as a executive producer. Indeed. Uh, he is not on that. He is he, not. But he, the movie is very much indebted to him. Um, but he caused a little bit of a ruffle this week among the geek community. <laughs> uh, he was talking to Empire, and he was asked about the Marvel movies, and he said, and I'll quote, about the Marvel movies, I don't see them. I tried, you know, but that's not cinema. Honestly, the closest I can think of them, as well as they are, with actors doing the best they can under the circumstances, is theme parks. It isn't the cinema of human beings trying to convey emotional, psychological experiences to another human being. I will say this. I think Joker is a bad movie. (laughs) I think it is cinema. I think it might be (laughs) shitty cinema. And sometimes I'd rather have the roller coaster. (laughs) But I do feel like this would be more in Scorsese's definition of cinema. Uh, I'm not going to go to the mat and demand that Joker be considered cinema. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would like to tell I mean, as much as I've argued for this film, please understand, I don't know that it's good. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's incredibly interesting. I think it's worth talking about. And I think it is confrontational in really interesting ways. But no, I, I, and, and here is where I side back with you. It is, at some level, as much as it's trying to get at I, I think it's most interesting as an attack on – not attack, a way to make you think about why is it that you've been watching these comic book films for 15 years. I think that's why it's most interesting to me. Now, what Scorsese said is 100% correct. Sure. <laughs> I got nothing else to say. That's exactly right. That's what cinema means to me. That is exactly why the Marvel Cinematic Universe films aren't cinema. They're product. Products can be very helpful. 
I have no problem. Product is not an insult in and of itself by any means. Product can be good. Product can be great. Product can be horrible. Just like cinema can be great and cinema can be horrible. Anybody who's seen a Lars von Trier film knows this. They know cinema can be horrible. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, I find it hilarious that James Gunn was so offended. A dude who spent the first, what, 80% of his career being an absolute flamethrower online insulting everybody yep. that they could and now wants to be taken seriously so that he can continue to play with the toys. Oh, but here's the thing, too. I would not be surprised to find that Martin Scorsese saw Super or Slither or well, maybe not Slither, but Super and liked it. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was a James Gunn fan. Um, I <laughs> I would. Uh, I gotta be honest. I, I would. I, I'll be I, honest. I would. <laughs> but, but I mean, I also just get kind of, I don't know. I was kind of shocked that this ended up turning into, I'm, Maybe I shouldn't have been shocked because it's Twitter, but I, <laughs> that it turned into a whole online like bashing of Scorsese when first off, everyone who was calling him elitist and out of touch were going to go see Joker this weekend, which draws heavily from his movies. Yes. But I don't I don't disagree what he said with what he said. And I'm someone who likes the Marvel movies. I enjoy going to see them. But. First off, I would be very disappointed if I thought Martin Scorsese was sitting around watching Marvel movies all the time. Like, <laughs> like that's not what I expect of him. He's Martin Scorsese, and it, like it would depress me if he was really upset that Tony Stark died. Like, <laughs> like there, yes, yes. <laughs> we we go to the movies. For different reasons, not just not just different people go for different reasons. The reason I go to a movie theater on any given weekend is for a different experience. I sometimes enjoy just taking my kid and going to a packed movie theater to take a ride. That's fun to me. I have a good time. Yeah. Under no illusion that I've seen anything great. I no, it I, could I, be I, great. I fun. Product it, can be great. There's nothing wrong with saying that. And, it, and if it is, that's a great bonus. But that's not what I'm chasing. Like, at that moment. When, when I go see a Marvel movie, I'm not necessarily expecting greatness. They have ended up on my top ten list. I think Guardians of the Galaxy did. Um, but, well, from the great cinema east, James Gunn, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, I mean, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying they're not cinema. Because I... I, that's not what I'm chasing. That's that's not what I want from those, and I I don't think they pretend to be that either. Um, yeah, it, it, it was silly, and I think it's really silly to consider that Martin Scorsese is an elitist because he he is one of the few filmmakers who people who aren't obsessed with film still know. He is a, <laughs> he is a household name. He's also guess what elite. <laughs> He's also guess what. 72? <laughs> Do you think those films are aimed at him? Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> Of course not. <laughs> so, deal. <laughs> and, and how depressing would it be to find that Martin Scorsese's next film was a Marvel movie? <laughs> like... I I you I don't I don't want to think about that like that like you don't want to think about Joker. That's I fine. Mean, Let's just not go there. Let's just maybe just... maybe that's what the Irish man is. 
Oh, you got Robert De Niro there. He's <laughs> fighting Al Pacino's whacking people with shillelaghs. <laughs> oh, it's going to be, it's three and a half hours. You're going to love every goddamn minute of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's Martin Scorsese and Marvel movies and Joker all rolled up into one. There you go. <laughs> Do you have anything else to say on Joker or on this topic? Yeah, uh, no. And uh, just to say again, I am not suggesting you rush out and see Joker. <laughs> Please. <laughs> all I all I'm going to do is I was just I was truly, truly shocked by the amount of negative stuff I saw written about this film that struck me as, yeah, you, I don't think you're paying attention. <laughs> I don't think you're really I don't think you're really trying. And from people who would give every Marvel movie a pass. And so that that's what I find fascinating is that I don't the I I I I I I am still unable to see other than like I said fully admitting the film is close to unwatchable in many ways. It is a difficult sit. I, I and I just like that it is it is messed with people's expectations in that way. Fair enough, fair enough. Um it messed with my expectations by uh, being worse than I expected. So, uh, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, and uh, I'll just say again, I think it's been a fascinating to turn over in my a fascinating movie to turn over in my head over the last week. And you know, when I see people rushing out of it, like raving about it, and it bringing in ninety six million dollars, and critics who I respect, uh, you know, saying, "Hey, I got something out of this." It makes me go back and say, did I miss something? Did I? Am I wrong? And But I, I know what I felt watching that movie. <laughs> sure. Sometimes that's all you know. Sometimes that's all you, all you come out with. And Todd Phillips wanted you to feel that. <laughs> I'm sure he did. Uh, you know what? It's better than due date. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's more interesting. It's more interesting. It it could very well be a piece of garbage that is also Todd Phillips' best film. Uh, if you, you we talked about this right, you haven't seen War Dogs. I have not seen War Dogs. No, War Dogs is uh, I think instructive before seeing this because War Dogs okay. is also War Dogs is absolutely a War Dogs is an attempt to do David O. Russell doing Scorsese. Okay. It is absolutely in that mold of american hustle it's very goodfellas inspired um but he finds his own way through it and i'm not saying it's great i think pinning your emotional hopes for a movie on miles teller is usually not a good idea and i think the movie suffers for that <laughs> it could use someone with a little more gravitas but it's again a really interesting attempt to do something that uh, is not nearly as alienating as joker or due date or hangover 2 uh, but was really an attempt for him to stretch as a director, and he does. I think it's a really interesting movie. I'm glad he made it. It actually made me more excited for Joker than anything else, that all of these things he was saying, I was like, okay, I know that you're playing with this material, and I understand you think you can pull this off, and I'm curious to see how close you get. So, yeah, I am telling you to see War Dogs, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Check was... War Dogs out. It's interesting. Where was that advice last Tuesday before my screening? <laughs> oh, wait, you had probably given it to me when we had recorded last time. <laughs> Perry, where can people find you? Oh, you can find me every Friday morning at about 940 on the Lucy and Lance show on 1290 AM in Ann Arbor. You can find me on 
Facebook. You can find me on Twitter at Perry Loves Film. You can probably find me in the third row center of your local multiplex. You can find me at Michigan Sports and Entertainment, where my review of Joker has prompted uh, many people to tell me to go to hell. Uh, <laughs> you, oh. you can find me. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I didn't mean it. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Mere Christianity, and you can catch my other podcast, Wasting Time, on uh, Big Head Media. We will be back actually next week. Uh, we're actually going to get two weeks of us. We will be back next week talking Fight Club. And we will see you then. Send in the clowns. There are to be clowns. Don't bother, they're here. All those Wall Street guys would not know the words to send in the clowns. First of all, if it's New York City, yes, they would, especially <laughs> in 1981. <laughs> <sighs> Second of all, what in this film do people want realism from? This is the other thing that's blowing me away. I'm like, what the fuck? What? What are you talking about? This is this is not real. This is nothing about this is real. <laughs> Why are we demanding realism at any point in the Joker movie? <laughs> I I do feel like I don't want it. To, I don't want to feel like oh, this is the world right outside my door. But I did want some real human emotion. Some some real like. Like if you're gonna give me a character who's tortured, and who's who's having a mental breakdown, and society is picking on him, I should at some point feel a little bad that the society is picking on him. And I guess that's what that's what I didn't get. Um, I don't. Oh, think... see, yeah, I, yeah, I understand what you're saying. And for me, it is all about how the reaction of that society is so diseased that it sees the actions of a completely mentally ill person as triumphant and heroic. I think that's the critique. And I think that's fascinating. Uh, see, I just felt like it was all part of the formula to push hit the character forward so we had the Joker at the end. And I, I and may and I think it's all there on the surface, but I don't think Todd Phillips knows what to do with that. With with any critique of society or forming a character i i I think it's just all surface and yeah i'm back to i don't understand then uh, yeah then the only film that would satisfy you would be one that doesn't try to make any actual social statement at all and is just a setup for a joker for for a joker this joker that we meet in this movie to then face off batman i don't know i feel like maybe and that to me is so empty and obvious that this is so much more interesting for not being that well okay yeah i don't want any of that but that, like, I, I, like I, I don't, I don't really, I don't feel we needed any type of that Joker was really good. movie. Sorry, I don't, I don't feel we needed any type of Joker movie. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like maybe if it had slowed down and focused on, just, just dug in a little bit more to the, you know, pick one, the, the haves and have-nots things, the, the mental illness, I. It all just lumps together, and I don't think anything gets its due. Like, I, I just don't think there's anything there that feels like, oh, this is... I, I don't know, it never felt like it, it got under my skin the way it should, or the way it... I, I don't know. I, I feel like I see what it's trying to do, I just don't think it does it. 
That's fair. Yeah, I, I like I, I can see all the points you're making, and you're gonna make me watch this fucking movie again. <laughs> and I don't, I don't disagree that there's, uh, uh, and I, I'm, I am saying, it, I, we are so close to being the same thing. I just actually really respect that it tried to do those things, even if it failed. I think it's fascinating that they attempted, and I don't think it fails because I don't think there's an answer. I think the failure would be to say this is what caused this and this and this. I think it's way more interesting as this intertextual thing about how why, – why? Why do you keep needing these superheroes if you just calmed down and you worked to make society a much better place? You wouldn't need this myth over and over and over. <laughs> I think that's really fascinating. Okay, my I misread that at the end, or I got a different reading. I don't want to say I misread it. I, I got a different reading. I felt that whole ending with Bruce Wayne's parents, uh, which, by the way, probably ten years of my life has been devoted now to watching Bruce Wayne's parents be murdered. Uh huh. But it, I, I not felt since like, Lincoln has a person been oh killed more on screen. Always the damn pearls too. <laughs> Bruce Wayne, I know, uh, but. But I like to me that read as we need to somehow remind people this is Batman universe and stick it in there because maybe there's a sequel, maybe there's more to this, which Joaquin Phoenix has started talking about more. Like I, I don't feel the film ever was saying anything grand with the Batman legend with, with with that ending. I I think it was just a way to connect it. I was honestly surprised they didn't end the movie with Joaquin Phoenix killing Bruce Wayne's parents, like being the one to kill Bruce Wayne's parents. I, I thought that was actually a restraint that they didn't end with that. Right. I totally agree. So, and um, it gets to why. So then why he's not restrained. That's not the reason. <laughs> so I'm back to, I'm back to what I said. Why is it doing this? Okay, well then, it's a society that he's showing how much it is like our society right now, <laughs> and because everybody responds to these to 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 the mentally ill, we feel that we need this mythic hero to come stop all this instead of just doing it ourselves. I think that's really interesting. <laughs> uh, screw you, because you might have a have. <laughs> there might be something to that. But I will still stick by, and you, you said it too, the first hundred minutes of this movie are dull and just plot it's, to me it's, and it's, nothing there. It is, but. yes, it is unpleasant. It, and it is fascinating that you, yes, I don't discount that at all. I, I sat there for long parts of it, dulled out. I was like, okay, yeah, we're still doing this. Okay, so, oh, oh, yeah, there's that Gary Glitter song. That's kind of funny. Nah, oh my, really. no, what, all right, I, we'll keep going. I don't even understand. That song doesn't even fit in that moment. Nope. I <laughs> I agree. I, I read all the things online that say it's just another shock thing because it's Gary Glitter and he was he was he was arrested for for molestation in the Philippines or something. Uh-huh. And so people complaining about how he's going to get royalties for this. I'm like, this is not the reason. You have so many good reasons to critique this movie. That is not the one you need to go to or bother with. Oh, uh, and I didn't even but, I didn't get to talk about the fact that they end the most disturbing moment in the movie, the, the murder with the scissors and then the head bashed in with uh, a joke about dwarfism. Yeah. Like, like yeah. That is well, such yeah. a weird tonal shift, which you know, I guess I shouldn't be surprised given the source, but like I, that that's such an odd moment to me that I it's this horrific, just brutal killing followed up by a gag and 
I, I like it, it. It was one of those tonal shifts. Like, did you see it? Chapter two. Good God, no! Oh my gosh! <laughs> Thankfully, so there are moments where there will be a horror movie like scene, like a a like a gory kill that is just undercut all of a sudden by a moment of like huge comedy, like broad comedy. It's really <laughs> baffling. And this... oh, that was the other R-rated film that it be the the first. Day. Oh, okay, okay. Sorry, sorry, so sorry to derail you. Please continue. Oh, so that that was odd. That just. That whole sequence, and I don't know, like, th- this was a movie where it just, it, it would lurch to life for, like, a second for me, where I'd think, oh, that's interesting, you know, the the relationship with uh, Zazie Betts, who, like, I, I think that that was a legitimately interesting moment where you find out he was imagining all this, mm-hmm. but then I'm like, well, and it's like you said, there's there's nowhere else to go with that. Right. That's but what I'm he also has, like, I, I don't know what else to do with that, you know, and it, I, I don't want to say it feeds into the whole incel thing, because I don't, I, again, I don't think the movie is, it has enough, I, I don't think it's provocative enough to, to give any fuel to that. Right. But I would agree. I would agree. But I don't, it, I don't see that reading at all. I mean, again, if we want to be a scold and worry about the bad fan, go right ahead. But I don't. That's never interesting to worry about people's misinterpretation of the movie because I don't think it celebrates this stuff, as we were saying, and you sided with me eventually. You don't think the film is celebrating no, no, at any I point anything he does. So yeah, you misread, misread. I mean, that's the other grand circle we get around to of why it's set in 1981. That's only three months after Reagan was shot by a guy who you know took Taxi Driver as as, as his you know. As his as as his totem to live, you know, not to live up to, but to, that he became obsessed with Jodie Foster over this. I, it's it's all there. It's just, I don't. I, think, don't... I don't think it celebrates any of it. I do think, like the scene on the subway, uh, I think that's prevent, presented as like a cathartic moment for for the character. I don't think it's the movie saying this is something to celebrate, but I do think we feel in that moment. This is Arthur finding himself. This is him finding something that brings him attention. So I can I can understand that people might walk away championing this in a way maybe they got the wrong lessons from a fight club or Scarface or something. But I don't think I, I don't think it's fair to read that in the movie, which does turn into a horror movie at the end. Where I I, th- I do think it's arguing that what he's doing is beyond the pale and it's horrific. And that people respond to it and love it. People do respond to it and love it and people cheered it in my screening. No, I mean, I'm just talking about in the movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I, I was not talking about an actual physical reaction in the theater. I just meant we're seeing that in the the moment within the the movie. And that's for all the reasons they've laid out. Why, why we should be talking about this. Well, no, okay, because I will give you that. And you know what? This is still recording, so I'm doing like a, a like an a, addendum where I'm just going to include all this because this is all good stuff. Oh, good, because the Hinkley stuff should really be there. I, yeah. I meant to get to it, so. Yeah, I, I, do, I do think there's something really interesting in the idea that people see him, the Joker, as a folk hero, and he intends none of it. He has, you know, yeah. he says he has no political affiliation. They cheer him on. I think that's interesting. I wish the movie had just spent more time with that 
than with ladling on the mental illness, with ladling on the mom issues, with going down the Bruce Wayne might be my dad rabbit trail. Like it, <laughs> it, it just seems like that that is a potent thread. That is a, something that says something, and that I think really could be worth paralleling with who's in the White House right now. That's just this person who emerges from a toxic culture to galvanize other people. That's interesting. I wish yeah. the movie was that. And and so I, I might give you, I, I will give you that there is interesting stuff in that final 20 minutes that I wish the movie had expanded on over two hours. Yeah. Yeah. That, I don't, I, 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 I would, I would agree. It would be a better film if they could figure out how to do that. Yes. Yeah, I, I think I think that might be why I went from being bored to just kind of enraged because I did feel there there's a probably a part of me that feels there's something there and nothing pisses me off more than a movie where there's something there and it's not it it, it just it doesn't connect or it doesn't the movie doesn't take advantage of that as as fully as it could. And the flip side of that coin for me is what I hate more than anything else uh, other than Halle Berry is <laughs> the is is a, a director with obviously the gift from the gods as a filmmaker just unspeakable talent who cannot say anything and is forced to believe that ju- just provoking a reaction is all I have to do I have to do anything else as long as I am a fucking flamethrower. I am super awesome. Yes, I'm looking at you, Lars von Trier. <laughs> I loathe von Trier's films because they are all that. I, I see nothing in them, especially after Breaking the Waves. Anything after Breaking the Waves, I think, is – there's nothing there. It is it is just a provocation. He's got no interest in actual humanity, and he could, but he doesn't. What I find fascinating is I don't think Todd Phillips is that filmmaker. So I like seeing a filmmaker who isn't that naturally gifted – struggle to try to say something i find that more interesting and more worthwhile going back to our favorite richard linkladder quote <laughs> it's got to be in the attempt right <laughs> there you go. that's why i respond to it and, and that's uh, and yes that's that's where i uh, that's sort of where i landed in response to hearing you say that <laughs> so maybe i wanted more and you got more than you thought you were gonna get <laughs> yeah yeah i think that's about right that might be good <laughs> <laughs> All right. 